Bullseye with Jesse Thorne is a production of MaximumFun.org and is distributed by NPR. It's Bullseye. I'm Jesse Thorne. Eddie Pepitone is our first guest this week, being interviewed by Julie Klausner, a terrific writer, performer, and podcaster. Eddie is a stand-up comic, a veteran stand-up comic. He's been performing since 1984. He was born in Brooklyn, raised on Staten Island. His dad's Italian, his mom's Jewish. He's got the accent to prove it. And if you hadn't seen Eddie live before, you might start to make some assumptions about his act. Maybe you'd imagine he yells a lot, that he says men these days aren't tough like they used to be, that kind of comic. The kind of guy who says he tells it like it is. Sorry if you're offended. But Eddie Pepitone is not that kind of comic. Instead, he kind of subverts that persona. He yells, yes, but more often than not, he yells something absurd, like he'll go on a fever pitch rant about, I don't know, magicians, how they're a waste of time and they're dumb liars with stringy hair. He'll shout, he'll scream, just as you think he's about to run out of breath, he turns on a dime. He'll move on to a new topic, cool as a cucumber. It's really something to watch. He taped his latest special, For the Masses, a little before we all started staying home and staying inside. But it's a special that fits the moment. Eddie sees all the scary, horrible, and confusing stuff happening in the world, and he helps us find joy in the absurdity of it all. Anyway, before we get to Eddie's interview with Julie Klausner, let's hear a clip of that special. In this bit, he's on another rant, this time about his dad, who, as we're about to hear, worked on the docks. My father just sucked on salt to survive at the docks. He slept at the docks. He didn't have flowers on his lattes. He drank his own urine before the water world bull. He just drank his own urine and little shot glasses with the other guys. He didn't have blankets, cuddle blanket. I did recently get a cuddle blanket. I'm a man of comfort. I'm also a man of revolution, but I'm a man of comfort. Eddie Pepitone, welcome to Bullseye. Hi. Hi, everybody. Oh, Eddie, your new special is so funny. Thank you, Julie. Yeah, I have gotten super good feedback on it. I think because, you know, the world has crumbled more than I predicted, but I definitely, you know, always talk about, you know, the dissolution of uh, our world. And, you know, what's funny is that I kind of do that because I'm just a guy who, like, always has a feeling of uh, inner doom. Like, I've always felt an inner doom, and now the world has caught up to my personal feeling, and I had no idea it was going to happen this quickly. I was right. hoping for another five years or so. Well, it's sort of a backhanded kind of satisfaction of being ahead of one's time, and then, right. and then actually, you know, being oddly prescient, and then also are, you're like, do people want to escape, or do they want to face it full force and how much of what you recorded on the special was I mean 
even related somewhat to COVID? Was it completely before COVID? Oh, yeah. I mean, this was totally before COVID. And, you know, I wish I had seen, I addressed the environment deteriorating because that was obvious, but I didn't see a pandemic coming. I should have watched Contagion. <laughs> well, you were friends with that monkey. I know it's hard for you to watch your friends on screen. Uh, yes, I did an or- organ grinder thing for a while with that fella. <laughs> so, Eddie, you're in L.A. right now, which is experiencing these horrible fires and climate change has yeah. affected California. We were saying before we started recording, just worse every year. How right. do you, I mean, is, <laughs> this is kind of a corny question, but is comedy your means of dealing with the fact that we live in a nightmare and a horror movie? And does it help? Yes. I mean, yeah, when I'm not overwhelmed by it, because we're like the border of Studio City, Valley Village, North Hollywood. And we don't live particularly close to the fires, but the smoke has descended on us. And I got to tell you, it's hard to have a spring in your step and a song in your heart when you're having trouble freaking breathing and your eyes are dry and your throat is dry and it's a pandemic on top of that. And I think they should now do uh, La La Land 2 where, you know, the two characters are just dancing through the entire city being a nightmare. (laughs) I think that would be a funny parody And that's all I can do is try to, you know, cope with it through dark humor. I've always kind of done that. I mean, is there any comfort to looking around and seeing, oh, I was right? (laughs) You know, not really, because it's actually quite frightening and scary. And now you're in New York right now where you don't have that like environmental stuff, right? Not as bad. Not as much. But give it time. Um, you know, you know how they always like to say, you don't like the weather here, wait a minute. It's like, if you don't like the weather here, don't wait a minute because you might be dead. Yeah. <laughs> it's Bullseye. I'm Jesse Thorne. Our guest is the wonderful comedian Eddie Pepitone, the Bitter Buddha. His newest special is called For the Masses. It's out now. You talk about your dad a lot on stage. Mm. I love seeing him in the documentary that you started yeah. in The Bitter Buddha. I wanted to know how he influenced your sense of humor and... Well, you know, my dad is, you know, he's Sicilian, right? Um, I'm Italian and Jewish. My mom's side of the family Jewish. And my dad's side of the family Sicilian. And my dad is, uh, like any good Sicilian, very operatic. So his moods, it's a lot of melodrama. I mean, not even drama, melodrama. Things are a big deal. Like he would say things to me like, and it would be an intense grilling. Did you touch the thermostat? Did you raise the thermostat? Things like that. And I would be like, why, Papa? And he'd be. (laughs) Because you were a little French boy. I was a little French kid. (laughs) Um, But 
Yeah, so my dad was such an imposing kind of large figure in my psyche that I have, I really realized that the persona Mm. that I use on stage is very much channeling my dad in an extreme way. Like when I go out there and just kind of rage against things, I'm really kind of channeling him, I believe. And he also had a really good sense of humor. Does he love your comedy? When he sees you doing him, is he thinking, now that's funny? (laughs) Um, Yeah, he does. He does love my comedy. He has come around to that. So that's nice, you know. That is nice. He didn't at first? Did you cuss too much? No, No, he didn't. You know, like any good dad, he didn't want me going into show business. He... You know, he's basically a blue-collar guy. I mean, both my parents were high school teachers, and my dad was, like, a dean for a while in high school. He was a history teacher. And uh, it was a typical thing where he wanted me to, you know, be like a doctor type of thing. And when I dropped out of Fordham University... Uh, to study acting, he really didn't take it well. <laughs> I can't. I can't imagine why. I mean, did he really work on the docks? No, no. That was like I said. He was a teacher, but his brother, one of his brothers, was a contractor who was like an amazing carpenter. And so my dad worked with him a lot in the summers. Okay. And my dad loved doing all that stuff, like just blue collar labor. So I just extrapolated from that, you know. And I used to, I used to have to work, and I say have to because I didn't want to, but I used to have to work with my uncle doing like home repair um, in the summers for a while. And I was so uninterested in that and not into it. Did you just want to be at home reading a book? I I said, Papa, (laughs) I said, Papa, I just want to I just want to play with the other children. (laughs) (laughs) It's getting more Transylvanian. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, yes. My accent work is uh, not the best. Speaking of character work, I mean, you're doing a lot in this special where you're going back and forth between this operatic Sicilian, this ranting, wonderful, angry, crazy Eddie Pepitone. Right. And then you very quickly switch and you sort of become this quiet, civilized, introspective Eddie Pepitone. And I know that you've done that in the past, but it seems like you're doing that a lot more in this hour. And I'm wondering how that kind of came to be. Well, that came to be because, you know, I was doing a ton of stand-up before this special. And because when I first started doing stand-up, I'm trying to remember when I started. Let's see. uh, John F. Kennedy was shot in 63. (laughs) Or was he? Uh, (laughs) Or was he? They faked the moon landing in... (laughs) You know... Being part of this world right now, you know, the truth is just a concept at this point. Yeah. Um, When I first started doing stand-up, I was up here vocally just, like, screaming for my life. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, I just was so up there. And that was very grating on audiences uh, after a while. And uh, I just calmed down enough and kind of going into my own skin and being comfortable in my own skin and realizing 
the comic potential of going high and then really taking mm-hmm. it down low. Mm-hmm. And I just noticed the reaction. Like I would be yelling, 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 and then going, yeah, I got, I got a cuddle blanket. And, you know, it's just a, a cool thing. And then I would even comment on that sometimes mm-hmm. saying, I hope you're enjoying the modulation, <laughs> folks. Um, I took a modulation workshop uh, in London and um, on the Thames River. You know, like, and they just love that. I think that but, I'm basically being kind of schizophrenic. Right, right the variations of. Yeah. Well, I also will say that it's not just tonal or, I guess, vocal or volume related, but there are two sides of Eddie Pepitone, which is yeah. the loud, bombastic kind of, you know, crazy, angry Ham. guy. Like a, yeah, yeah. yeah. And then on the other hand, you have this like vegan, progressive, <laughs> you know, just like you would, you're constantly battling with your contradictions on yes. stage. And I think that's yes. a really exciting way to watch someone who is crazy because he's not predictable. <laughs> I mean, there's nothing worse yeah. than someone that's just, oh, I know where this is going. And and you do yeah. have these, like, you know, in, in a lot of ways, you're kind of like the biggest hippie I know. And then on the other that's hand, true. you're kind that's of like true. the angriest dirtbag. Yes. So how yes. do you, I mean, it seems well, like you're you very self-aware of that dichotomy. Yeah, yeah, I am. And uh, the way I describe it is like, I am like, this kind of primal blue collar guy who is trying to be a Buddhist, you know, like going for enlightenment and, you know, it's a rough road because I, you know, the Buddha and not to drop names, but the Buddha, (laughs) he talks about uh, not being attached to things. And for someone like me or just about anybody, it's so hard not to be attached to all the pleasures, all the fears in life, which, you know, in Buddhism, you know, you're supposed to just kind of give that up and, and lead what they call the middle path, which is not too high, not too low, just kind of right in the middle, you know, letting things roll off your back. Oh, the f- California's on fire. Let me go over here. Let me go over here and just make a nice salad. That just sort of leads me to the like, how can you be funny when you just know, you know about all the sinister stuff that people try not to talk about when they talk about politics or even social change because it's just too dark. Oh, and how do I be funny? Right. Um, Well, I think for me, it's realizing the contradictions in it. And like I have I also have this real hatred for authority. I have a real hatred for the elites that are destroying everything right now. And I feel like, you know, without sounding pretentious, I feel like it's my job as a a comedian to go after the people, you know, the system that is making a large segment of the population of the world miserable. Yeah. 
you know, being responsible for for all that. So I want to talk about that. And to make it funny is just like I tap into like the fact that I like I rail against corporate culture. Right. However, I'm a big sports fan. And that's a huge contradiction because sports is just as corporate as anything else, you know, and sports is a commercial for for the military. And I just make fun of my, you know, it's crazy that I love these teams like I'm from New York. So I love the Rangers in hockey. I love the Giants in football, the Yankees, while the world is like just yesterday, the Yankees won a big game. And most of California is burning. And I was like, yes, the Yankees. Yes. And and I think it's what you talked about it a little before about can people, do people want to escape or face it? Yeah. And I think the answer is, you know, they want to uh, escape, you know, um, what? because right. they face it only when they really have to. How do you reconcile escapism with feeling like you should be informed and how much of it is, well, if I'm any more informed, it's not going to help anything. Well, yeah, I mean, that's me. I mean, and I also I realize uh, there's a big element of addiction, the way stuff is sold to us. And one thing I really realize is that I have gotten addicted to bad news. I just notice how they're, they hook you in with like, and they say it very kind of matter of fact. Do you know, folks, that uh, there's going to be incredible carnage? <laughs> and um, it's subtle sometimes, but it's just all about division mm-hmm. and crap. You Do you know? watch old movies at night? I know you like, an- yes. like Antique Roadshow. Is that true? Yes. I, uh, yeah, me and my wife watch Antiques Roadshow and we love Agatha Christie. We love Poirot, mm-hmm. like, like genteel murder, genteel murder. You, you've become in the English a country. PBS couple. You, you've, you're immersed in yes. these. <laughs> in, yes. in gentle well, British wit. <laughs> gentle British wit and murder. Um, because, you know, the murder that people are addicted to in um, in America is brutal. And I, I don't know if I addressed it in this oh, special. Yes. Oh, oh, yeah, yeah I did. I said, like, when, we, did, yeah. when did murder become entertainment? Because people are listening to murder podcasts. Every other channel is a serial killer. And, you know, I've been drawn to that, too. Again, hypocrisy, because, you know, I watched the Ted Bundy doc on Netflix and it's this kind of do you think that that's appealing because we just have so much stuff that we need to cut through it all do you think that there's some well it could be worse to it (laughs) yes I think that yeah yeah that's one of my lines like outlet that I like to watch forensic files with an eating shirt on at like two or three in the morning and I'm eating soft comfort food and I'm going, my career may have gone to hell, but at least I wasn't murdered in the shower by a drifter. (laughs) (laughs) You know what I mean? Like it is that type of thing where you're like, wow, I thought I had a screwed up life, you know, but at least I'm not a dentist you know, killing people in my basement. The dentist. And I have three wives, you know um, what I mean? 
when you look at stuff that you like or you enjoy or that you were, I guess, influenced by as a different question. But I mean, do you like comics like you or do you tend to say like, oh, I prefer someone completely apolitical or, you know? Well, Bill Hicks was an idol of mine because he he was scathing when he attacked corporate stuff, you know, and advertising. Mm-hmm. And I love that. Uh, Carlin, big hero. But then again, I love anybody who's funny. Like um, me and my wife actually saw Bob Newhart not long ago. He's not that, he's not very politically. He's just a funny guy. Rickles. Oh. I love Don Rickles. So I love, I love both. But you know what I don't love is when I think a comic is just kind of lowbrow and just talking about sex stuff and just going for the lowest common denominator thing, which I think is prevalent. And I want to see a comic make an effort to like say, you know, something that is acknowledging that, I don't know, that we, we're, we're getting freaking screwed over, you know? Also, like, that's not to say that your stuff isn't filthy because it is. And it's it's less about <laughs> it's less about being offended by the content as much as I'm hearing you're just annoyed at the dishonesty or just like, what's the context? What's the point? Right. right. Like, I even was joking that we're in this, like, incredibly bad time. And when, you know, let's say we get out of this. I don't know. I mean, I'm hoping we'll be out of it. Oh God, I can't. I can't think that this is going to go on for another but year. The pe- but pessimists, but, I don't know. I'm a pessimist too, and I do think that in a way, oh, you of are. Course, huh? I think we're in a way we are sort of prepared more than other people. Is that fair to say? Right. Not yeah. That we're any yeah. you know less depressed, but I I just think that there's there is something about the world matching up with your worldview that is, if not you know, yeah. happiness inducing, like- at least somewhat. Not not even satisfied as much as just logical, I guess. Yes. Um, I just feel like to live with the constant threat of death <laughs> is not great. Well, I guess you that's know? life. And I think that should that should be a bumper. Well, you guess. I guess what? That's, that's life, life, right? I mean, that is true, but it's it seems to me uh, that it's just so much more ominous. Like I was filming yesterday on a netflix special uh sarah cooper i yeah. don't know if you know sarah cooper yeah. the gal but, who lip syncs um, to the trump stuff and yeah yeah the gal all of a sudden you're in the aristocracy the gal oh my gosh um, what should i say milady <laughs> i'm kidding so anyway um i filmed two days and uh, i was around a ton of people and, you know, everybody got tested a lot. Is you know what I mean? Scary? But, you know, I have to take Oh, I think so. You know, I had to take the mask off a lot. You know, when you when you when it's camera time, the mask has to come off. And it's just like, wow, it's fatiguing. It's really fatiguing to constantly be on guard. It's also challenging to reconcile what you do for a living with your hatred of capitalism because you have to make money to show up on set in order to, you know, to get your word out there that this whole system really stinks. But I'm 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 thrilled you're on. Anytime you're on TV, I'm thrilled. And I saw that you were with Helen Mirren. Me too. 
Yes. She's so gorgeous. And not only that, but I mean, she's funny and sweet. Ah, too, ah unfair. Must you know? be nice. Oh, man. And, and you know, uh, the day we filmed, the smoke was acrid, you know, in the air. And uh, she was just like, you know, that Churchill yeah. uh, stiff upper lip uh, saying of keep, keep calm and carry mm-hmm. on. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? And stiff upper lip, whatever. But she was like, just so cool. And I just took my lead from her, you know, like, oh, OK. Even more with Eddie Pepitone still to come. Stay with us. Eddie recently played his first in-person live gig since the pandemic on a little league field in Ventura County, California. It was very weird. More about that after the break. It's Bullseye for MaximumFun.org and NPR. This message comes from NPR sponsor Microsoft Teams. Now there are more ways to be a team with Microsoft Teams. Bring everyone together in one space with a new virtual room. Collaborate live, drawing, sharing, and building ideas with everyone on the same page. Make sure more of your team is seen and heard with up to 49 people on screen at once. Learn more about all the newest Teams features at Microsoft.com Teams. With the unemployment rate at record highs right now, millions of Americans are without health insurance. This week on Throughline, how our health care became tied to our jobs. And how a temporary solution turned into an everlasting problem. Listen now to Throughline from NPR, where we go back in time to understand the present. Macho man to the top rope. The flying elbow, the cover. We've got a new champion! We're here with Macho Man Randy Savage after his big win to become the new world champion. What are you going to do now, Match? I'm going to go listen to the newest episode of the Tights and Fights podcast, oh yeah. Tell us more about this podcast. It's the podcast of power, too sweet to be sour, funky like a monkey, woke discussions, man, and jokes about wrestlers' fashion choices, myself excluded. I can't wait to listen. Neither can I. You can find it Saturdays on Maximum Fun. Oh, yeah. Dig it. Welcome back to Bullseye. I'm Jesse Thorne. Our guest is Eddie Pepitone. Eddie is a longtime stand-up comic. He has a bunch of albums and specials to his name. He's got a new special out called For the Masses, available to stream or buy online now. The woman interviewing him is the great Julie Klausner. She is the creator of the Hulu show Difficult People and the co-host of the podcast Double Threat. Anyway, let's get back into Julie's conversation with Eddie Pepitone. Can you tell me a little bit about what went into this special as far as was it a year of touring? Was it sort of something that you went into with the theme? Mm. I'm just curious about your process with putting an hour together. My process of putting an hour together is very... It's, it's not, I have the worst problem with structure. Like I don't do this. I don't say, okay, I'm going to do a special in February of 2019. So let me start working on, you know, this bit and this bit and this bit. What I do is I just Mm -hmm. perform a lot. And I, before the pandemic, I was a regular at the comedy store. I was a regular at the improv. Um, I was touring a bunch and it just coalesced into like these bits just kind of came together 
And uh, I had a couple of people helping me who listened to, I tape all of my sets audio wise, and um, they would listen to them, come up with themes. I really had a bunch of help with that. And then kind of put it all on a, is it a, not a chalkboard? Oh, a dry erase that. board or uh, dry erase board? <laughs> Bulletin board? Cork board. Yeah, yeah, bulletin board or cork board. That's so funny. Vision, Vision board, board, yes. No. Uh, pictures of me thinner. <laughs> same mm-hmm. here, same here. You have pictures of me thinner on your uh, vision board? Yes, I do, just to inspire me. <laughs> if I do good enough, maybe Julia will lose some weight. Um, that must be really challenging that you haven't been able to perform in the last six months and to be yeah. generating material exclusive of an audience well, must be really, really challenging. Yeah, but you know, that really goes back to like, what are you going to do? I mean, I, I, I actually did do my first live show, which again was risky. I went and performed in Oxnard, which I love that name because it just like connotes, wow, you've sunk to a new level. And like, I went to perform in Oxnard in a little league baseball field outdoors. I was, you know, the guy who was running, it was like, you know, we're going to socially distance everybody. And they were. But at the end of the show, people had been drinking, smoking pot, and they're coming up to me. And I'm like, am I going to get out of here alive? Yeah, the the meet and greet would be the challenging part of that experience. Also, that seems like a sequel to Bad News Bears that I need yesterday. Eddie Pepitone and a... (laughs) a baseball field avoiding people trying yeah, to kiss him. I was screaming. I was actually like screaming stuff. Like it was just funny to me. I was like, here I am in a little league field in Oxnard. What has happened to the world? What has happened to my career? I'm in a little league field in Oxnard and I'm not even doing well. Like, which was the truth. I had, I had an up and down set. It was fun. It must have been exciting to be around people and performing around mm. people. A little bit. I was also super anxious, mm. like driving. Like, I don't know about you, but the thing with COVID, maybe it's more so in L.A. because we, we get in our cars and do stuff. But I'm like, oh, God, I got to I have to go out and do something. Yeah. Like I have. Anxiety, yeah. You know what I mean? Like I've gotten so used to being yeah. home. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I mean, I don't know if you're like me, but I'm an introvert and it's tough to leave the house even when there is me not too. a pandemic. So to yeah. be kind of, Same you know, here. comfortable in that sort of strange way, it definitely ups the social anxiety when things are changing or you have to put a foot forward and yeah, it's really challenging to have to navigate, you know, when am I going to see people and to seeing people make me feel better? And yeah. if so, why don't I do it more? <laughs> Right, right, right. And I have been also doing a bunch of the Zoom shows. And it's weird, you know, it's weird doing doing those. But I've started to just look at it as like another art form, like another way to do stuff. And, and my, I think the, the show I had the most fun on was uh, it was a show where I was able to scroll through the audience and talk to the audience like each of them in their apartments or or wherever they were. And to do crowd work like that was hilarious. Like you you have a poster of, you know, whatever their poster was on the wall. 
why do you have a poster of Farrah Fawcett? You <laughs> How know, do you like, live like that? That's yeah. very exciting. That's a brave new frontier in crowd work is Zoom crowd work. So, Eddie, tell me what else is on the horizon and if you are collecting pandemic material for your next special and what we can look forward to before the world ends. Let's see. You know, I'm like everybody, and I don't know if everybody's like this, but I thought I was going to write a lot during this pandemic, but I don't know what it is about having uh, too much time mm -hmm. on your hand. I, it's weird. Uh, so I haven't as written as much like, but now I'm starting, to, <laughs> I'm starting to, you know, I am going to try to put together, you know, a new hour. Well, uh, you know, shortly I keep doing Zoom shows. Like I said, I'm trying to write a script with my wife, you know, for a show about me, just kind of like what we were talking about, the blue collar guy trying to be enlightened in uh in, in hell world? times, God, of course. Man. Well, I have to say, whatever stars align to give us this special during this moment in time is a blessing, all things considered. Because if you want to laugh and you don't necessarily want to escape completely, I think it is a, as you Buddhists say, a nice middle ground to enjoy yeah. time with, uh, with a very funny person that came up with this stuff before COVID, but is still very, very relevant. Thank you. It's been so funny where people have been, like when it came out uh, and it was during COVID and, and people are like, are you happy now? Your, your are you happy now? Like, like, do you know how happiness yeah, works? Because yeah, yeah. I don't, but no, I'm not. Yeah. 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 Right. 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 And and they were like, Pepitone, this is great for you. This pandemic is yeah. great for you. Like, yeah, you probably like caused it. Did you cause it? <laughs> You're right. That's basically the the implication. I believe that you did not. No, I don't think I did. I don't think it's in your capability, honestly. <laughs> really? <laughs> I can't help but give you the business. Eddie Pepitone, the special's called For the Masses. You're one of the funniest people who's ever lived. And when you said Don Rickles, I was thinking that you're up there with Don Rickles, Rodney Dangerfield, people that I like to say even dogs would know are funny. And you are absolutely <laughs> in that category, my friend. Eddie Pepitone, thank you so much for coming on Bullseye. Hey, thank you for having me. This was fun. Eddie Pepitone, everyone. His new special for the masses is typically great. You can stream it on Amazon Prime. You can also rent or buy it on pretty much any other platform, and you should definitely watch it. Eddie is one of the best in the business and a wonderful man. Thank you again to Julie Klausner for conducting that interview with Eddie. Julie is the creator and star of the TV show Difficult People, a wonderful sitcom that you can watch on Hulu. She's also the host of the comedy podcast Double Threat, along with my friend Tom Sharpling. They are both brilliantly funny, and the show is fantastically funny. That's the end of another episode of Bullseye. Bullseye is produced out of the homes of me and the staff of Maximum Fun in and around greater Los Angeles, California, where my nine-year-old daughter has decided to start freezing plastic spiders into ice cubes. Gotta remember the reason for the season. Our producer is Kevin Ferguson, Jesus Ambrosio, and Jordan Cowling are our associate producers. We get help from Casey O'Brien. Our interstitial music is by Dan Wally, also known as DJW. Our theme song is by The Go Team. 
Thanks to that wonderful band and their label, Memphis Industries, for letting us use their music on our show. You can also keep up with the show on Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube. Just search for Bullseye with Jesse Thorne, and I think that's it. Just remember, all great radio hosts have a signature sign-off. Bullseye with Jesse Thorne is a production of MaximumFun.org and is distributed by NPR.